quick thanks to our sponsors before we start. First, ElectroVoice. ElectroVoice is a leading sound solutions company that provides onstage monitoring, PA systems, and microphones. They were kind enough to provide us with four mics when we started this podcast about a year ago. Two of the RE320s, which we use in the studio for our recordings. They're fantastic for vocals and a variety of other applications. They're basically the little brother to the classic broadcast mic, the RE20. And they also gave us two ND76 handheld mics, which are your basic onstage workhorse mics. We use those for when we have in-studio guests, and they absolutely sound amazing. So big thanks to ElectroVoice. You can find out more about them at ElectroVoice.com. Next, we want to thank SK Coffee. SK Coffee provides coffee blends from all over the world. Um, Costa Rica, Ethiopia, Guatemala, just to name a few. This company is amazing because they work directly with the farmers to provide fair and ethical practices. Our friend Nate provides us with our own custom blend, and we're usually always drinking it here when we're doing an episode. Really amazing stuff, so go check out www.skcoffee.org for more info about their products and how to get it shipped to you directly. Again, www.skcoffee.org. And finally, we have Oleo. Oleo manufactures and provides CBD oil packets. Just add one packet to a glass of water and boom, instant delicious 25 milligrams of CBD oil. It's basically like crystal light, but with CBD oil. It comes in great caffeinated herbal tea flavors or decaf herbal tea flavors, uh, or it comes in my favorite, coconut water. You can also buy in bulk uh, flavorless options, and you can add them to any beverage of your choice. Go to www.oleolife.com to learn more and to learn how to purchase. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the first podcast of 2019. We did it. We Another did it. Another year. Another year. Wow. I'm, I'm excited for 2019. So we've been technically a thing for three years. You know? Really? 2017, 2018, and 2019. We yeah. put out episodes in all of those years. Yeah, technically three years ago. Got yeah. it covered. Well done, us. Yeah, I'm rounding up a bit. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Uh, yeah. It's been about, it's been a few weeks here since we've had our last guest, Michael Mennert. I hope he and every one of our guests from 2018 had a good holiday and a good new year. I hope you're having a good new year so far. We got a really special guest on today to kick off the year, Ronnie, aka Unlimited Gravity. Mm-hmm. You know him from <laughs> dropping bangers the past couple years, about last two years, making some sweet dubstep, and now he's kind of switching gears. We'll talk about that in a little bit here, but first, we want to talk about one of our sponsors because we're a huge fan, SK Coffee. Yeah, we haven't really talked about them yet because right. we have like the ad at the beginning that I'm sure right. all of you have figured out how to fast forward through, Right. and... um. Now we've tried like three different kinds of it, so we can actually like talk about it. But SK is a company out of, uh, started in Boston originally, this guy named Sam, who's a mutual friend of Pat and I's, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, a friend of a friend. Friend of a friend. Um, Met him through some people. Yeah. He partnered with a mutual friend of me and Pat's named Nate, and he lives in Minneapolis. And so they started, I mean, Sam would roast the coffee in Boston, but Nate kind of, I believe, came up with a lot of the subscription, like, business end of everything. Mm-hmm. And now Sam has since moved here to St. Right. Paul. Their, well, their tagline is born in Boston, roasted in Minneapolis. Yeah, so I think so it was always here. roasted here. 
and the business side was over there. But Sam, no, he roasts there as well. Oh, Sam does? roasts himself actually. Oh, oh, okay. I've seen videos of him doing it, but I'm sure I know that they do roast it here as well. Um, Any, anyway, they're now, both. They're all here now. Yeah. So anyway, it's a really cool company. They. Just got some new bags, actually. That's how we started hanging out. Nate wanted some help with the graphic design for the new coffee bags that they were doing. And before I had really time to, like, wrap up an idea on it and we, like, get some solid ideas, they met this graphic designer whose, like, pipe dream it had been to design a coffee bag. Sweet. And so, yeah, I was like, well, take it away. (laughs) And she did. She killed it. Anyway, so now we've tried. The first one I tried was the Peruvian. The last one he brought over was uh, from Congo. Yeah. And then this this one is Ugandan. Uganda? Yeah. You gotta be kidding me. Oh my god. You gotta be kidding me. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting for a week to use that joke. Oh my god. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Anyway, it's really good. I like the Ugandan stuff. It's a little weird. And so I, I get to try a lot of them too because. A little weird? I, but in a good way. It's just different. But I like it. I don't find it that different. I felt, okay. It's I'll like start mellow, with the like first one for me. Flavor. The Peruvian that you can get occasionally from SK, the profile that they have on it is a peanut butter chocolate bean, which I love peanut butter chocolate anything. So that's like my weakness. And I think it's my favorite that I've ever had of SK, but they're not, I think they're out of it right now. Okay. Anyway, so then then I tried the Kongan stuff and that's probably was the most, the most similar to other brands, like the, your like Folgers, I would say. Like yeah. non micro roastery. Yeah. Just pretty sort middle, of thing. middle. Yeah. Like, that, covers all that I've had. And then this Ugandan coffee. stuff is really toasty. It's like kind yeah. of like a dark chocolate, but really toasty. But that's what I think tastes weird to me because I drink, outside of a lot of SK coffee, I just drink really mellow, lighter roasts, like mm. kind of generic coffee tasting is what I'm used to. So that's what makes this Ugandan one, I think, so weird for me. Hmm, okay. But it's not when I say yeah. weird, I don't mean bad. Yeah, I like it because it's a little mellower and it has, like, it just has that weird note, like that. Yeah, it it's less toasty. sweet than the Peruvian. Yeah, is for sure. And, yeah. Um, I didn't ever think that I would give a shit about the small taste notes of coffee. I don't think I'd ever drink enough coffee to, to notice. Um, yeah, I'm actually kind but of you very totally surprised. do. Yeah. So anyway, you're not a coffee person. A, maybe try it iced because that was my coffee revelation, realizing that I didn't hate coffee. I just hated hot coffee. You were saying you never really thought you'd be a coffee person, but iced coffee is what did it for you. It Converted. is. It did. You just don't like hot coffee. Exactly. Weird. So anyway, me but and Pat cold. have had our share of he had hot and I had cold coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's really rambly right now. Yes, we are. But, you know, we just wanted to tell you a little bit about our sponsor because they're Mm -hmm. cool. They keep us awake. They keep us chatty. Mm -hmm. So um, shout out to SK. You guys, big dang coffee. And also what's really sweet about SK is that there's no middleman when it comes to like distribution of where they get their beans from. Yeah, we should talk about that. They talk specifically to like the farmers in Uganda, in Congo, in Peru, in Guatemala. They're like a direct importer. Exactly. And And they purveyor. Like when I started working with it. them, I remember Nate having conversations with their friend Mateo, who was like in Guatemala, like, right? I believe in yeah, Guatemala, Guatemala at that moment, like on their co- like on the place where they harvest their coffee yeah, it's beans, on the farm. like yeah. yeah, getting like these huge. I don't know. How, I think he said maybe like eighty pound bags of beans ready to directly ship to Minneapolis. Right. So the cool thing about that is. And it's kind of like the asterisk in their business model. They don't have fair trade like certification on that stuff. 
But they, they are that's fair because trade. They think fair trade is it's bullshit. bullshit. It is. It is. Everyone's but doing that now, so it's okay. dumb to even claim that as like oh, really? a thing. See, I don't. I know so little about the coffee world that I was I didn't ta- know actually that. yeah talking to Nate about this, and he said he hates the that people are claiming fair trade because that's yeah. just kind of like saying that an apple is low fat. It's like it's the it's, same thing as like duh. lead certification on buildings like being green. You know, like they they can use biodegradable trash bags and get that. But everybody knows biodegradable trash bags are bullshit and still contributing to the trash. But it's like a, a facade to get you this yeah. certification, right? Yeah, so I think it's just this extra thing that they can tout and say... They're direct. Oh, they give fair look, prices look directly. Yeah, there's no middleman. Our middle workers man. are getting paid well and, yeah, you know, there's la, There's no la, la. organization or distributor That's just how the laws money. are, though, now. Yeah. That's how coffee is brought into America, generally speaking, for any micro micro roastery or, like, coffee distributor. Right. So, and as far as I know, as far as the conversations that I've had with Nate. So, anyway, yeah, he kind of is bothered by the fact that people will put, like, a big fat sticker that says fair yeah. trade on their coffee bag. It's like, Good. well, everybody does that. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, consumer education. Once people get past that, but that I just wanted to re-emphasize that point that even though they don't have fair trade, it's more fairer trade. Yeah, no, than, definitely. They no, it's the same exact sort. It's is. the same exact thing. Like generally, yeah. It's just they don't feel the need to tout that around yeah. because they they'd rather tout the other good parts of their business. Exactly. They. I was talking to Nate recently, and they're thinking about the possibility, you know, of buying some coffee fields in Africa. That would be sweet. So that's kind of just like a crazy thing that we got some, our sponsors are going to maybe buy some coffee fields in Africa. And I love just it. Just grow some freaking coffee beans. Yeah, so grow some beans, provide an economic bean boost juice. to the community. Bean juice. Bean juice. Yeah, I love it. My Tastes favorite. like chocolate. Make me go fast. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is the Guatemalan blend. Really? Sure. Yeah, I like it. A lot. You brought that one over once before. I think Have that was the it? only time that I got to try it. Oh. No, I've never gotten a bag of it before. Yeah, I don't. I have never had a coffee from SK that I didn't like. That's so. true. That's true. That's a they good do, point. They do their subscription service too. So if you're lazy, you can just um, sign up and they'll send them to you without you having to think about yeah, it. Yeah, like periodically, like my roommate Paul, and that's how we that's how we know Nate because Paul and Nate are like good. They homies. were in a fraternity together yep. at the University of Minnesota. Yep. So. Paul gets a subscription, and he doesn't really drink a lot of coffee, so I end up drinking a lot of the SK coffee, and I, I haven't had a bad one yet. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. Really yep. And Nate is such a nice person. Mm-hmm. I haven't met Sam, but we've talked on the phone once, and he was su- super nice. And he's actually who we talked about really quickly in the interview that we're about to do with Ronnie toward the end, that Sam is actually a classically trained musician and choral conductor. Yeah. That started a coffee company. Yeah. So we're going to have him come hang out with us someday because A, they're our sponsor and they're awesome to us. Yeah. And B, he's got, a, he's just a plethora of knowledge about Music, some of the more obscure side of stuff that yeah. people listening probably would normally yeah. not get to Orchestral hear. Orchestral composition. It's, it's a super fascinating, like, whole nother world. It is. I'm really excited to have him on here someday. But for sure. um, Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah, we have a really cool guest on here. Me and Pat just got to hang out last weekend with some other people on that are signed to the same management, uh, Mile High Sound Movement. So shout out to Chris Bach. Shout out to the Mile High guys. Yeah. um, Maybe I'll see Chris this weekend. But yeah, we got to see Rob, uh, Homemade Spaceship, and Matt, uh, Punk Static. Who we had on the same episode just this past year. So yeah. I had, never, I had never met them in person before, so it was good to hang out, meet them, and uh, check out some of their music live. Yeah, we got to go see them at First Avenue. Yep. 
And so anyway, another person on their label project aspect that I met at the same festival I met Ronnie at, we're probably going to have him on in the near future, but we got to sit down today and kick it with Ronnie, who I I first heard about in college because of his AWOL Nation remix of Sale. And I think that song has like upwards of 9 million plays now on Holy YouTube. Holy shit. Really? So we're going to make this shell pretty quick here. We talked about some coffee. We talked about if you like coffee, where to find the danks, the danks, danks. And now we're just going to go right into the interview here because it's 2019 and nobody's done anything yet enough for us to talk about. It's 2019. Who gives a shit? We're just going to go for it. (laughs) Here you go. This is Ronnie, Mr. Unlimited Gravity. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Unlimited Gravity, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast.
starting, everyone. Hey, this is the first episode of 2019, Ronnie. So you're kicking it off. Exciting. Are you psyched for 2019? I am absolutely excited for 2019. Yeah? It's going to be a good year. How how did you feel about 2018? (laughs) Was it as gloom and doom as everybody else? said um 2018 was an interesting year for me specifically just because it was very much just like a lay low reflect um kind of change up the music that i wanted to write you know not really focus on touring just kind of like get back into my own headspace and focus on life and stuff so yeah it was different 2019 is going to be a lot more getting back out there and releasing more music and stuff that's awesome. Did you like take a little hiatus prior to 2018? Because I felt like I hadn't heard much from you for a little while. Yeah. And then you put out yeah. a new single where you sing. Right. Yes. Caution tape. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. So like early 2017 was when I just kind of had this moment of like, you know, feeling like I wasn't relating with the with just like the crazy alternative bangers that I was writing, you know? (laughs) And I just wanted to kind of dive into lyric writing, you know, explore that, that side of my creativity. And through 2017 wrote, you know, a good like 15 songs where I just focused on writing lyrics and then writing music around the lyrics. And so I didn't have much to release as far as like, you know, the typical, unlimited gravity electronic sound goes and I was just kind of diving into that so 2018 kind of started how I wanted to start releasing that and presenting it with like music videos and just like you know a whole package and yep now I kind of have all that figured out ready to release more nice that's awesome is caution tape a single from a future project or was that just a single <clears throat> that was just like straight up putting my putting my feet in the water Testing the temperature. Yeah, I hear that. Um, you know, it's intimidating yeah. to sing on your own shit, and even more so to replicate that live. And like people right. always are crawling up my ass about it. Like, why don't you sing more live? Why don't you sing the whole set? Like, why don't you sing more in your music? And it's like, oh my god, um, I would love to, but like, it takes so <laughs> right. long to build that confidence to feel like you're even doing something worth putting your own voice on it. Yeah, And then to replicate that live is like a whole nother thing of its own. And you're dealing with different monitoring at that point when you're on stage. um, Yeah, every venue is different, right? It's just a whole nother (laughs) thing. And it's it's like people so cavalierly say, why don't you sing your whole set? Why don't you sing more when you're making music? Sometimes I don't feel like whatever I'm making suits my voice. Sometimes I don't feel like my voice suits what I'm making. You know, like it's just how it is sometimes. And I don't need to sing on everything that I do, but it did take me forever just to even get to that point of stop making instrumental beats and to start putting vocals on stuff. Cause it does take like, I don't know. It's scary. It's like a whole nother level of vulnerability. Right. I mean, I I don't know how you guys can do it. Like I give you guys a lot of credit and anybody out there who sings and records it or just sings in general, because I was intimidated growing up just singing in church. Dude, for real? You know? I think like, it's so yeah. funny that um, was, when you when you when if you grab somebody off the street and ask them to listen to themselves through oh, a microphone and, and headphones, they literally are like, oh my God, that's right. how I sound? I know. I so know, imagine right? like right? you have to go that through was... that like five year period of like, yes, that is how I sound. And then you can start like making yourself sound good, I feel like. But like. 
Seriously, there's even that, that weird was like caveat. the first few months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. People can't even handle the sound of their own voice, much less like producing it and like mixing it and making it like pleasurable to your own ears. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So I don't know. For mm-hmm. everyone That's who tough. just says, "Hey, Megan, why don't you just sing? Why don't you just?" Listen to yourself in a microphone. First. Hey, it's like, hey, wh- hey, what do you do? Yeah, I'm going to come to I'm going to come to your job and tell you to do it better. Right? <laughs> no, we were laughing I about mean, this the other day about how people will say like, hey, why don't you want electric forest this year? You'd be perfect. And it's like, oh, why don't I just call up Madison House and tell yeah, them, like, hey, I hear from my friend. I'd be perfect for your yeah, festival. I'm just call up Man, electric forest. That worked every time I tried to call out to a music festival. <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only. Uh-huh. <laughs> That process was intense, though, you know, like not only, you know, I went to school for on a vocal scholarship, so I've been in choirs my whole life and stuff. Oh. But another challenge was learning how to transition my voice from like an ensemble type voice to a lead type voice. And, you that know, makes like, total sense, yeah, dude. Seriously. Finding your voice as like the main instrument rather than trying to blend in with the whole group was just like. A trip in itself. And I find, like, I I hear that all the time when I'm singing in my car by myself. Because then I'll Mm -hmm. be like, oh, wait, I can actually hit these notes. And then I remove the music and I'm like, oh, wait, I suck. (laughs) Yeah, no, car singing is a whole nother (laughs) ballgame. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I I used to play in a band with a a girl in a similar situation. And she was our singer. But she was, you know, classically trained vocalist growing up Mm -hmm. her entire life. And she had the same challenges kind of stepping in. She had never been in a band situation and being like the only vocalist, right? And she would, mm-hmm. she expressed really similar views to what you just said. So I totally get it. And on top of that, Megan, I'm sure you can relate to this too. Like not every venue and not every show like calls for the vibe that you need to sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some like just like reading the crowd kind of thing. Some venues just like need you to just throw the fuck down. Mm-hmm. For sure. I also can I think cuss? there's like yeah. a level. Of course, of, you can cuss. Yeah. Yes, okay. you can fucking cuss. But um, <laughs> I think there's also a level of me being comfortable with the current situation I'm in at that <clears throat> venue. There have definitely sure. been times when I show up to realize that this sound tech is probably not someone I want treating my vocals. Or right. someone who can't even think of to get me a monitor for my own voice. Like those things mm-hmm. kind of white flag, like white flag. White <laughs> they flag. make me put up a white flag because so many red flags right. say, right. Megan, you are not going to be able to hear yourself. You're going to sound like total shit. So right. um, there's all, there's That's why also I just times. Resort to yeah, I have like my sets worked out where I have like the vocal set list version and then I'll have like a normal set list version with my vocals put in it just mm-hmm. specifically in the event where. I realize I can't hear myself or something like that. And right. then I can throw on a track that has the vocal in it. And I don't have to worry about it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So something, sure. sometimes you have to feel out like as you're on stage as well. Yeah. 100%. I was just, um, we were just talking with, uh, one of your, one of your friends and label mates was just here, Rob. And Ooh. I was talking to him the other night about <clears throat> laughing about playing guitar, uh, on stage in a lot of these venues and bringing in instruments and, how yep. some venues, like especially a lot of the venues out in Colorado are used to it. Oh, they're like, oh, electronic music with live instrumentation? Hell yeah, we're ready for it. Right. And you go to other places around the country and they're like, wait, you have a guitar? There's more than a master fader I have to Right. Be you walk in and they're just like, okay, who's the DJ? Yeah. yeah. 
And then it's like you get there, even like a local venue here, we get there, spend, you know, an hour and a half sound checking mm-hmm. four hours before the doors even open. And then all of a sudden, it's like the first three songs, my monitor is muted, so I can't hear myself and I'm going DI. And it's like, dude, why did I show up four hours early and sound check? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing yeah, here? I don't know how that happens sometimes. I mean, it happens too often. It's like one, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah. There's like awesome stage texts and sound texts, and they are not so awesome ones. And I think that's true in every right. industry ever. So. Yep, but for sure. I think we we have to have patience with them because they're trying. They want to do the best. Oh, Some for sure, definitely. I just have definitely been to venues where they're having people as main sound technician that are de- definitely new and should be still apprenticing or whatever. But whatever. Right. Anyway, <laughs> I wish you all luck on your long journey, and may not musicians talk shit about you on on our podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, it's a it's a two way street there, you know, because they're just like, oh, these spoiled musicians think that they, you know, blah blah blah, need everything, before. and it's just like, yeah. can't we all just work together and be awesome? Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Another advice is to tip your sound <clears throat> guy. Yeah. When I used to play Do in Menage a Trois. Do you tip your sound text? Um, when I played in a nine piece, I did. Yeah. That was like, awesome. okay, you're doing so much fucking work right now to accommodate nine of us on the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we'd, we'd throw them like 20, 40 bucks. I think if they, wow. I think it's a nice move if they're really, really good and on point And if they Especially care. if they're cranky. It has they, remedied crankiness for me before. Do you tip in advance then? I, yes. Like yeah. during soundcheck, I'll tip and say, thank you. appreciate everything you do. Thanks for making us sound great. That's a good idea. Yeah. A tip it, in ad- the advance. That's such tip. a pro move. It was a good idea. For, Never for in my 10 piece. years of touring have I even thought about that. Now I feel like an, a dick. Well, it's, it's not like, expected. Or it's not, yeah, it's not expected, but I think it is a nice gesture. I've never done it. I've seen with people you, tip Megan. lighting guys too, you know, say, here's yeah. 20 bucks, make me look not like, don't put one park hand on me, please. You yeah, know, like, I've, people I've only done appreciate it that. They'll help you out. With like band showcases when there's like a fast changeover for like actual. Or five piece mm-hmm. bands and like you're striking. And I guess I just do it when it I feel like it's necessary. Yeah. I yeah. don't do it all the time, but it's I wonderful. do it when I feel like I see someone work putting in more work than they normally would. Mm-hmm. And when they do a really fucking good job at it, mm-hmm. especially when we were just talking about some of the shitty experiences that we've had. Right. So to have someone who knows what they're right. doing is so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I'll, if I feel like they're killing it, I'll throw them a tip. Yeah, and it's also really nice. A lot of these guys can do um, soundboard recordings too, so you can tip them and then be like, yeah, "Hey, can you just like record?" And I mean, for electronic music, it might not be the best idea because you can make it sound better just with your your own mixes. Mm-hmm. But um, for like a live live band thing, it's kind of cool to have a yeah, reference, totally. and you can be like, "Hey, listen to all these times I fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Ronnie, okay, I'm curious, who did you listen to okay. in like high school? <sighs> We're gonna go around the horn on this. Oh my god, I was like such a pop head. Oh my god, dude, I was a pop punk idiot, so I can relate. One of my first CDs that was ever gifted to me was like Backstreet Boys Millennium. I like how you said gifted to you. I love it. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was into like the nows and the just like the pop generation. Yeah. That's awesome though. That's sweet. I don't know. Yeah. I was Slowly like, got into, like, good like, Charlotte and stuff. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. no, for sure. Let's let us all cringe together. Yeah. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? Good Charlotte will always be legendary. Dude, I loved the twins, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just down Two's for that. Hurt. No, what about you, Pat? In in high school is when I was like taking a detour from my my rap life. Um, in middle Your school, Wisconsin rap my life. Wisconsin rap life. Yeah, <laughs> I was really into in middle school. I mean, was, hey, rhyme sayers, right? Nah, oh gosh, yeah. You know what? A lot of people like rhyme sayers, and you know what? More power to them. That right. I'm not in that camp, but okay. I do respect a lot of what they do. I like. There's this guy in their roster, Dem Atlas, Josh, who I think is mm-hmm. awesome and could be great for them down the road. Agreed. But that being said. I'm a little bit older than a lot of a lot of the guests that we have here, so I'm 32. So back in middle school was when uh, Biggie and Tupac were kind of okay you know, on the rise and peaking, and then that whole death. So I was really into the East Coast West Coast rap, and then in early high school was when Ludacris was really popular. So the first like Ludacris album was always on. The Nelly Country Grammar album was always on. Then I was really also into the Foo Fighters third album. Uh, which was uh, okay. had learned to fly on it. I'm, yeah, dude. Name's we listened me. to that album in my AP art class, like oh, literally yeah. for an entire semester. Yeah, it was really cool. And then, I, like towards the end of high school, I started like going back into like classic rock and really digging into like weird classic rock stuff. Sounds like you. Yeah, and then for whatever reason, I really liked the first Godsmack album. What? I don't know. That yeah. is really hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I thought <laughs> it was taking awesome. a little detour here. Yeah, I thought I it was awesome. Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I always liked I mean, Alice in Chains, and they started off as an Alice in Chains cover band, and they had a similar sound. Then they just became shittier okay. as life went on. And I remember this girl I that I went it. to school with. Sorry, Ronnie, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, this girl I went to school with, I always thought she just must have the craziest parents because she was always talking about Pantera and Alice in Chains and like. Iron Maiden and all this sh- this stuff that I had never even really listened to. I mean, I'd heard of it right. and I'd seen their shirts at Hot Topic, but yeah. I was stuck in my little bubble. And she was just always talking about like Marilyn Mans- Manson and stuff. And I was just like kind of creeped out by, yeah. I was just like, whoa, this girl's badass. Like her parents <laughs> have to be nuts. Like, but that's totally not the case. She's pretty, I don't know. Uh, Basic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just had a really advanced taste in music in high school, apparently. That's pretty funny. What, Ronnie, what were you going to say? I was just going to like, I can just relate in a sense that, you know, I'd go from like pop to to shine down, you know, yeah. to like some crazy alternative rock to then <laughs> choral music to it's just always been all over the place. You know, I think that's um, a big identifier in a lot of musicians. If you ask any of them what they're into, like you're going to get stuff all over the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get people who you wouldn't expect you people who like, let's say are, are singers in a pop band or something like that. And they're really into like Florida, Georgia line or some, some goofy shit like that. Right. Some goofy country <laughs> or like, Somebody in a country band who's way into Pantera, like stuff like that. Like who I I, um, I used to work for a record label and I talked to uh, St. Vincent one time and one of her biggest influences is Dimebag Daryl, which I found kind of funny. But like she was way into like Pantera and I'm like, wow, you're this like alternative rock, you know, hipster queen. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. So there's know. like all it takes sorts all of stuff. kinds. It takes know? all kinds. Yeah. So, yeah, I was never into that stuff. I hate to say that I've not really listened to much of the heavier side of, like, classic rock and stuff. I grew up listening to, like, 
we've talked about this, Creedence Clearwater Revival and like yeah. the best of bread. That was like my dad loved that shit. <laughs> That's cool yeah, though. That's fun. cool. No, I love it. I mean. So, um, Ronnie, just to yeah. kind of switch gears a little bit here, we're talking about all these different musical influences. What do you and, think about R. Kelly? You know, God, should we talk about R. Kelly right <laughs> um, now? I think we should. Okay. All right. <laughs> that <laughs> escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, and kind of like his life right now. Yeah. Right. Did you hear about this? Well, I don't. I don't know what's happening currently. I oh, think man. you're about to tell me something. Lifetime. Yeah, Megan, you tell it because you're the one that told me. Okay. I don't know this. So like a couple days ago, Lifetime aired the first in a six-part mini docu-series about the sexual harassment claims against R. Kelly, basically. Wow. And they interview <clears throat> tons of people who've worked with him in the past, tons of family members, like people very close to him, and all the women who have made sexual um like rape, sexual assault accusations against him yeah. for the past like 10 years. Wow. And it's all just coming back to the surface right now because of, I think, this like cancel culture, call out culture that we're right. experiencing right, right now right. in this climate. Obviously, people are super pissed off that we've just let him have a free pass this whole time. And I've even seen some commentary from people about the lack of presence of some people that were definitely prominent influences. And like friends of R. Kelly at that time in his life that weren't in the film at all. And just talking about the power of money and how they were allowed to just be excluded because they have enough clout and money to just scoot, skirt away. So he's yeah. saying they'd rather not be involved in the whole conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's crazy. I mean, we've known wow. about this kind of crap forever. He peed on a 15 year old. Yeah. He was, he had married Aaliyah when she was 15. Right. Right. Wow. That's right. It's mind blowing to look back at this shit and not think of how was he not one of the first people to during this this climate. I mean, we, people well, like have turned the, his whole thing into a joke, mm, you right. know, piss on jokes. And stuff. Right, um, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that doesn't help it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, right. I think like I told you the other day, Megan, when you brought this up to me, that it was like his popularity was kind of dwindling right when the internet was like blowing up and all of this stuff probably had he been 10 years later like in the mid 2000s it he probably would have been the first one called out but i think people kind of forgot about him i agree right. with that but also let's look at this really quick too two days ago chris brown signed a deal with mgm okay one of the first deals of its kind okay uh where chris brown will retain the rights to all the masters that he creates with mgm huh and that's like wow. unprecedented. That's never happened in like that large of a pop celebrity deal. But I'm just saying, he's just he's a he's just achieved and unlocked like one of the most desired things in all of like the label industry, yeah. while being one of the biggest shitheads in the entire industry. Right? How does that work? I don't know. But this is just me saying again. People are willing to forget the bullshit if they can get people to make good music, like literally. Right. And people will say that about anybody. Well, who mm. cares that they did that? I like their music, you know? Yeah. People aren't canceling people. It's like a free pass almost. I just don't. Yeah. It's kind of whack. Well, hey, if you only know what? politicians Eventually. could produce music, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> they kind of can. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Who's that one guy? Mike Huckabee. He plays bass in a band called Capital Offense. Really? Oh my yeah. God. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder if he's a better bassist than Bill Clinton was a saxophonist. See, Bill Cl okay. 
Bill Clinton was a pretty a video. average saxophone player. He was player. very average. I just At watched best. a video the other day. Um, Arsenio Hall? Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's like what won him the black vote. Like, that which, he could play. That like, he could play and he went on Arsenio whoa. and like kind of held it down. Wow. <laughs> It is. I mean, it's not terrible at all. No, it's no, like it's not bad. Like, very, you can play. I don't know. Novice. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. But yeah. <laughs> I guess you don't see any other presidents playing any instruments. So it's true. Except for potentially would have been Mike Huckabee, but rest in peace. Dick right. Cheney plays a really good shotgun. <laughs> I heard that. It's his friends in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. Man. Well, back to the R. Kelly thing. It's such a bummer just because, like, the music he was producing, you know, in, like, the early 2000s and late 90s was just, like, revolutionary, right? And his yeah. voice is yeah. just, like, you know, pushing boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, it's it's an interesting, like, internal conflict to be like, man, his choices are just awful. But, like, man, I just want to listen to this one song again. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, it kind of it like makes me feel a little bit better of really liking Michael Jackson because, you know, Michael Jackson wasn't He was completely cleared of he everything. He was keeping clear, clear of everything. This. I know, but for the longest time, like that was Well, that was our like childhood running joke that, was like yeah. don't get molested by Michael Jackson. Right. right. Yeah, right. like nighty night, keep your butthole tight. Yeah. Like, literally <laughs> that was the running like childhood joke, you know. Maybe. And then for the all the files to come out after he died and for them yeah. to all clear him completely and say the weirdest, kinkiest thing they found in his house was some VHS tapes of some heterosexual porn. Yeah. Okay. So he seemed like the Can most, we all be so over he's like the most Michael Jackson tame now? guy in the music industry. Literally. Right. You just brought up um, Rob Lowe. The yeah. Dude. Yeah, Rob Lowe. I don't know how he's been cleared or he hasn't been called out yet because maybe it's because he's a good looking guy. It's like the whole Ted Bundy thing. Like all the women didn't think he could be a serial killer because he just seemed like a nice guy. It's you know? just so, I mean, like, okay, speaking in terms of, like, this cancel culture that we're in, yeah. when an actor does crap like that, do you cancel, like, do you stop watching anything they're in, despite that other people are in that? It's easier to say something like Louis C.K. and be like, I'm not watching you anymore. Right. right. You know, but, like, <laughs> Rob Lowe, what, I can't watch Parks and Recreation now? Yeah, you can. I mean, that's hard. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm not saying at all that, like, I think th- those are legitimate, like, mm-hmm. you know, those things weigh evenly at all. Right. I'm just saying those are legitimate thoughts that we all have when we think of, oh, my God, I don't want to support this person. But where do I draw the line? Right. Right. If you want to see something interesting, go uh, try to find a copy of the Roast of Rob Lowe that Comedy Central put out a couple years ago. I think I. And there's a lot of one. there's a lot of jokes, jokes about, about that. And it's mm-hmm. like. Okay, this is a joke now, but in the eighties when this happened, which I think he like slept with an underage girl. He was like eighteen or nineteen and she was like fifteen or something something like that. So like that shit with Drake happening right now. Yeah, it was I guess I don't know anything about that, but it was like that, but it was kinda like brushed over over years and years of Well, obviously I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Well, look it up. Anyway, yeah, so what's going it's on called with Drake? fashion, honey. Look it up. <laughs> so what's going on with what's going on with Drake? He's my favorite celebrity to hate on. Do you like Drake? Uh, no, he's my Ronnie? favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I mean to each their own. I'm not going to lie that and say I didn't get down to Hotline Bling. So Yeah, that's true. But I, the better version was the Pina Coladas instrumental behind it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Oh. oh, I think I did hear that. 
Uh, yeah, Fox, like F-A-W-K-S. Yep. He did a flip of it. And it was only online for like a month because copyright pulled it down. Yeah. But I downloaded that ish and I played it as my outro track a couple times. Oh, People yeah. love to hate it. <clears throat> wow. Anyway. But yeah, Drake, uh, people are bitching at him right now because he got some video just came out where he's like making out with some chick who was like 17 and he was like 24 or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. It was ba- backstage and there was a bunch of other underage chicks around. Yeah. So anyway, there's all this weird crap happening right now. So another. I mean, he's a young lad, right? Perv Chronicles. Yeah. Drake is young, right? How old he's is like he? He's like 35 now. Oh, really? Least. Oh, really? Look it up. I thought he was like our here, age. Me, here, here. Hey, Siri. You're going to hey, Siri. How old is Drake? Or this. <laughs> Drake is 32. Drake oh, is 32, age? everyone. Oh. Yeah, kind Aubrey of Drake Graham. Stuff. His name is Aubrey. Ha ha. Right. That's right. Well, that's an old joke. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> it's new to me. Uh, <laughs> it's new to me. <laughs> yeah, don't gatekeep the funniness on this, Pat. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Fuck your gatekeeping. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Enough about the pervs out there. All Enough right. about you guys. We're not wasting our time with you. <laughs> right. Um, so, Ron, are you talking about all these different influences you had and you're kind of like changing up kind of music you are making? Right. So <clears throat> going from like the dubstep scene, maybe like when you were first, like a, three years ago, I shouldn't say first, but when, when I started hearing about you mm-hmm. kind of at the peak of when dubstep was coming about and you were dropping some bangers. Definitely. And so you took – as you alluded to earlier, you kind of took some time to create some new music that you're singing on right? and ready to release. You tested the waters last year. Now you're ready to release some new stuff this year. How is it different musically from what the stuff you were making like three years ago? Well, great question. I think, you know, I'm still trying to like keep that kind of like signature unlimited gravity sound, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of where it's, It's been a challenge because when I like write vocals, like I said, I'm very inspired by like old pop and like love songs and just like super kind of like cliche lyrics. Mm -hmm. And so trying to make that fit into electronic music, you know, where there's still like a lot of energy in the compositions as far as like progressions from builds to, you know, climaxes and drops and stuff like that. So I'm just steady trying to make it all work together. Straight up. I'm just trying to figure out a way to, you know, just add my voice as as one of the instruments in the overall composition while trying to keep that same kind of fun, hype, aggressive sound that I'm just so used to writing and that I love writing. That's awesome, man. And are you going to be with a lot of this new music that you're releasing? I know in the past you've you've done some sampling of some more well, well-known uh, rock and alternative type songs, particularly thinking of that AWOL Nation one. Oh, yeah. And, Man. Uh, are, are you going to be doing any sampling on your new music, or is it all original? It's all stuff? original, all organic. That's awesome, yep. man. As That's far awesome. As, as far as the remixes go, you know, like I still do work with Red Bull Records and mm-hmm. uh, AWOL Nation. You know, whenever they have a new album out, we kind of talk about what song they want unlimited gravity release to release which is awesome that's but cool. for all of the original stuff you know i'm trying to chris brown it and just own all the rights to all the masters to everything <laughs> yeah yeah what a i didn't know reference. where you were gonna go with that when you said i'm gonna chris brown don't worry it, i swear like, i'm still a good person <laughs> yeah. you're like chris brown but the nice version right <laughs> 
That was Usher. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh my God, that's... that joke is valid. Yeah, I, I'll give it. I'll give you a pity, pity applause there. A pity applause. Yeah. Keep your pity for yourself. You know what? Today I saw somebody tell someone else to go fuck themselves, and their response was, "Fuck me yourself, you coward." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so rich. That's I put good. that in my back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> save, save that one. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I can't wait for one of you mofos to tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> right? God, I bet you're just waiting for it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, like, uh, release schedule-wise, in 2019, I know it's, like, it's a brand new year. We're not even a week in, or we are a week in. What it, what's, what's on the horizon for releases? How do you have it uh, planned out, if you have it planned out? It's not very planned out. It's just kind of in my head. I see it. Because I am still, you know, writing non-vocal uh, electronic music. Because I that's right. that's where I started. That's where my heart is. I love exploring the realms of sound design and stuff like that. Sure. So in my head, it's kind of like a release a vocal track and then release an electronic track and just kind of do singles for a while until. I've built up that kind of like brand and reputation of having the yin and yang, you know, mm-hmm. having, having both still exist. And so I'll, I'll release an EP at the end of the year. That's kind of has a couple vocal tracks as well as a couple just straight up electronics. That's awesome. Did you, have you thought about maybe, um, this is just an idea that popped into my head. It'd be kind of cool if you did all of your tracks and you released just like vocal stems and you could have other people remix it if you're right. No, I, I just want to build kind of the, uh, the reputation, you know, I just kind of want yeah. to be known as a vocalist before I start handing out all of the vocals. Sure. But at the same time, I don't think there's a bad time to do that because, you know, remixes are just like more publicity, you know, right. and just spreads it all faster. So Absolutely. Yep. Especially like the remix, uh, like those competitions. I know, Megan, you just had one with uh, Logan mm-hmm. with uh, Defunct. And I mean, <clears throat> just on those like remix sites draws a lot, so much more traffic to your original track and your brand. Yeah, I think we got like over 400 submissions or something like really? that. Yeah, that's really epic. Cool. And oh, that's so cool. It was crazy. Yeah. And then you go like, and then it's like a follow gate too, right? You have to like follow the. I believe to get so, it. yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, pretty sneaky of us. Pretty sneaky of us. Sneaky squirrel. <laughs> it's fun these days. You know, there's so many tricky ways to just spread the word and get your name out there and to work with others. It's it's interesting to know that like just like when pop started coming out or just like when rock started coming out, you know, like we are kind of like pioneering this today's modern age of like electronic music and how the music industry handles underground schemes and it's just it's amazing it's pretty cool right yeah it's kind of interesting to see how the larger labels how it takes them time to adapt to what this scene is kind of doing right and they eventually do it but it can take them like two or three years and they they over time wonder well why are we losing so much money why are we losing our reach onto fans and it's because there's so many different alternative uh, marketing channels that can be used and that are being used by independent artists or, you know, smaller uh, label, independent label artists or whatever. Um, 
and it's it's cool to see their reaction to it. It might be a little too too little too late for them on a lot of these things, but they're eventually kind of coming around and you're seeing some of these uh, tactics being used by major labels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Similar to the whole Chris Brown thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example of it. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. It's really weird. You know, uh, this is random, but did you watch the new, it's not new actually, I believe it's just new on Netflix, the, the Avicii documentary, anybody? No, I, I added it to my watch list, but I haven't watched I haven't it. Watched it. I just watched it the other day out of curiosity. I mean, I, I can't lie and say say I never loved Avicii. Right. I did when I was in my EDC days, and I still had an appreciation for trance. For Pardon. sure. I mean, I still do. Though it's not something I listen to every day, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be, you know, probably depressing to a degree. You know, it's a documentary about a 26-year-old who died. But it was depressing on like a whole nother level about just like the exhaustion and the mental taxation of of being a music producer, of being an artist, of being a touring act. Right. Right. And how that literally killed him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's I mean, I would imagine it's it it's tough for for people like you guys out there <laughs> with all the success. And especially if you get it at a younger age, I mean like you see it time and time again over the years. Like you think you say, okay, Avicii died when he was 26. You go back to the quote 27 club and all yeah. these people who died when they were 27. And, and you think about how much popularity they had. Granted, it was a different day and age and like the internet didn't exist, but still like they were it's even more impressive they, to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And of all these people that, you know, kind of worship you as like a, a quote, God, when they go to see your shows and like Avicii people are like, oh my God, he's so good. They go to see these shows. But it's like, the reality is you're still 25, 26. Like that's, it's a really tough age to be grounded at, you know, especially well, when you're that type of He never got to enjoy, the whole thing was that he just never got to enjoy everything he'd done. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm he saying. Was, he played like 800 shows in like four years. Yeah. I mean, that's what um, I'm saying. It's yeah, like this like, weird dichotomy throw of Throw like, me in a hole and throw dirt on me. Like, seriously, I would yeah. be dead too. Well, it's, that, it's, it's a tough thing because mm-hmm. you have to strike while the iron's hot, take advantage of your mm-hmm. of your fame right now, exactly. build up money, but also you are still in your mid-20s where there's really like the world is your oyster and you don't know how to handle it. And you know what I notice a lot in the people that are, I mean, a lot of the 27 Club people that I've watched interviews with, you know, mm-hmm. Amy, Janice, they all, and Anavici, Tim, mm-hmm. he, and they all, almost all of them are super huge introverts. None yeah. of them wanted the fame they got. Oh. They just got there because they were so talented. Mm-hmm. Right. And Amy Winehouse was a shining example of this. I, I, mm-hmm. mean, I mean, her Anavici said 20 times, I don't want to tour anymore. She was getting visibly wasted on stage. And her, and like when she says in rehab that sh- she went to her dad and, you know, I ain't got the time. And if daddy says I'm fine, I'm not going to go to rehab. And he literally did. You know, like they, there's a point in her documentary where she says that she sat down on his knee and looked him in the eye and said, do you think I really need to go to rehab? And he, you know what? That dickhead just wrote a, a biography about her. He's still making money still off making her. still making money off her. What so that douche. dickhead told her, yeah, you're fine. Go to her again. And then she toured. They stopped the tour halfway. She went home and drank herself to death in bed. Dang. Like she says 20 times in the documentary she never expected to get this big. She could, She says she can't mentally handle all the stresses and all the pressure that is put on her all the time. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just like this recurring theme with these like gentle introverted souls becoming way too big because other people need money and other people push them into these positions and they're so nice of people that they can't say no until they die. Right. It's insane. Did I ever tell you about how I saw her at the Varsity Theater? No. At a showcase and the Dap Kings were her backing band? No. It was awesome. It was before like they were popping off. It was before she really, well, it was right when she was popping off with her mm-hmm. second album. And she was good at that show? I mean, she, she was wasted on stage. Really? Fucked up. Wow. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. Nailed every it's fucking insane. note, though. Well, she Killed it. Surprising. But, like, in between, she was just drinking, I have to imagine, pure vodka, because as the show went on, she was, like, stumbling and, like, yeah. would sit wow. down while there was instrumental breaks. I mean, I feel like that's crazy. the only way they can get through it sometimes. If you're that much of an introvert and people are forcing you on stage to do something that, like, only you can do, you probably feel a lot of guilt. And also, think about, they talk about this in the Avicii documentary, Think about how much guilt you would carry for the people you're putting out of work. Think about all the people on your crew. Like he had this tour in Australia where he got super anxious and started to get pancreatitis and they were pressuring him to keep playing the shows. Mm -hmm. And he asks, you know, when did the crew get out here? And they're like, well, they got out here on Monday and it's Friday now. Damn. And so, I mean, having that that pressure, you got how many people probably for Avicii, what? 30, 40 people probably that are there waiting for you that flew to Australia to set your stage up, to set your sound mm-hmm. up, to set everything up, and you're just going to cancel the show now. And mm-hmm. also, you have to pay them still. Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't even yeah, imagine the seriously. pressures of that. Dude, my friend right now is um, doing tour stage work with uh, 21 Pilots, which are out of Denver, awesome. I believe. And they're on this, like, big, massive global tour. And... He says like they're very. It's like very adamant. No, no drinking, no drugs. Interesting. Anything. Not for the crew, but for them and like people who are like their tour manager, people directly around them. Like when they're backstage and people who come backstage, there's like no alcohol at all. Hmm. No, not, not even not even like smoking weed or anything like that. Crazy. Nothing. That's they're cool. very like adamant. They're almost like really hardcore Christians. He Interesting. Said. Really. Yeah. I remember hearing that about Modest Yahoo. A friend of ours was. TMing them like years back and was shocked to find out that he's completely sober. Well, he's an Orthodox Jew. Right. I understand that. But yeah, I mean, just to yeah. be that in that position as like right. such a popular musician and to not be influenced by any of that. Yeah, the stigmas shocking. are real, yeah, man. Just like what people can assume about Seriously. people who are in the spotlight is, is endless. Yeah. yeah. Or what you feel like you need to do mm-hmm. to be an artist, to look like what, you know, you know to like walk the walk mm-hmm. of what what badass artists do. I mean, like all the old school ones drank themselves to death. So that's what we right. all try to do, I guess. <laughs> Good luck. Man. Well, I think, I, th- I think you can see people like there are some artists out there too, like the, you know, ones that we just mentioned who might see that and they read all the stories and they know about it and they can, you know, f- have a little foresight as to some of the dangers that can happen on tour or the things that are, end up becoming a slippery slope. And uh, that's maybe why they're so hardcore against it. Is that they just don't want it any for sure. influence for the tour. And that's not to say maybe they don't enjoy a drink themselves here or there, but maybe not when they're on tour. I don't know. It makes sense. To each their own, right? I mean, everybody has their we, we can only we can only hypothesize what's happening in their head. Yeah, I just I mean, oh like with the twenty eight guests we've had on here, I think we've talked about people's process and we'll talk about Ronnie's in a second, but yeah. like Michael Menner was just saying that he Likes to drink a little absinthe. Just sip on it. Not get yeah. wasted or anything. What a that's gangster. His thing, you know? And like my thing is some coffee, know, caffeine, right? and smoke some weed. 
drink a white claw. Yeah. I don't need to drink a whole case. I just need to loosen up a little bit. There you go. To get going, you know. What about you, Ronnie? You know, at the same time that I had the kind of realization that I wanted to change my music, I kind of changed my entire lifestyle as well. Super into fitness, stopped smoking weed after smoking for like 15 years straight every single day. You know, there were the sometimes, you know, the the psychedelics that would come in and, you know, just like to have fun and get weird in the studio. But for the past like couple of years and such, I, it's just like, you know, I don't smoke. I don't really drink at all. It's just very much kind of like a sober adventure and just coming in and mostly my process of writing music now is just like, I'm, I'm still learning skills of how to get better at my instruments and like through practicing the instruments, I'm finding ideas that I like and elaborating on them through production, right? Because production at this point is just cool. like, is like speaking another language, you know, it's like fluent. So the process comes in just like experimenting uh, soberly through just ideas and practicing piano and guitar and singing and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I just read something recently. I was just telling Megan about this before we started about how the difference between production and practicing when you sit down and if you open up your DAW versus the mentality of saying, I want to like write and produce and finish this whole track in you know, one mm-hmm. go or like this is the start and end goal versus practicing and just coming up with ideas and then you might have like a handful of ideas right. that you whittle down to right. maybe like one or two that you want to like then go into production mode with and work on versus right being inspired. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I feel like as long as you're like making noise, you're moving in the right direction. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whether it's practice or whether your goal is to actually sit down and finish the track or anything, as long as you're just like doing it, you're doing it. Pretty simple statement, but (laughs) it's always a step forward. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a it's a simple statement, but with a lot of weight behind it. And sometimes, you know, you can be. I think we've all gone through this as creators. It's um, it's the right word. It's frustrating, I guess, when you're sitting there and you're making noise, like you say, but you feel like you're right. hitting a wall and like nothing's right. sticking, and you're coming up with the same tired bass lines or the same tired mm-hmm. chord progressions and this and that. And it's like you're in this funk where you're uninspired and like you almost feel like you're hitting this plateau, right? And it's how do you, how do you get over it? How do you keep climbing? And I don't know really if, if there's an answer to it. Just keep going. I think there's a million answers to it and that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, as me and you have talked about this a lot, Pat, lately, because I've been on this like I don't know, not self-help necessarily, but like... Um, <laughs> self-improvement. Self-improvement book yeah. kick yeah. lately where I read a, like Power of Habit. I read Do the Work. I read uh, The War of Art. Yep. I'm reading um, Better or Stronger, Better, Faster right now by um, this by Higgins, the same guy that wrote okay. The Power of Habit. I thought you were about to say Kanye. What? <laughs> by Kanye. Oh, oh yeah. man, Kanye's. Kanye. I love Kanye's books. <laughs> Can't wait for his new one, Yandi. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. You know what? Tangential again, but Yandi. Hilarious that he's calling his new album Yandi. Wait, really? Yes. It's like, Yeezy, is he saying Yeezus, he's Gandhi? Yeezy, Yandi. Oh, yes. It's, it's Y-H-A-N-D-I. Yeah. But anyway, I was just reading all this 
fucked up shit about Gandhi. I we yeah. have this like such yeah, a perception of him perfect. as being like this peaceful person when really he was a it's huge kind of misogynist a yeah. and he was awful. He told people he told the Jews during the Holocaust that they should just kill themselves in peaceful protest against the Holocaust. Um, he was noted for sleeping with underage girls, like small girls every night to test his own will, his own free will to not sleep with them. Uh, he okay. did lots of really weird shit. I mean, I don't know. I just read a bunch of stuff that blew my mind completely about how Gandhi is not cool. was not cool at all. No. Man, that's <laughs> so, I mean, to a degree, apparently, you know, but he's... He wasn't perfect, so yeah. There's a little side note of some redditing that I did this wow. week. Wow. Huh. I never knew that. Yeah. I knew he Look was kind out. of a, I heard rumors he was kind of a dick, but I didn't know he was doing all of this. Yes, he did stuff. some very weird stuff, and I'm just like touching the tip of the iceberg here. I read articles, uh, like several different ones about weird stuff that he well, had done. No, I'm glad we live in a world where everybody's more connected and that type of shit won't fly. Right. Today yeah. because like could you imagine like who is that guy that was gonna be the Supreme Court judge who's like I like beer do you like beer that dude what don't you remember that guy do no I don't about oh God <laughs> some guy like was gonna be like Trump's nomination was gonna be elected to a Supreme Court oh. judge and something came out that he you know sexually assaulted yes I know who you're talking about now back in high school and like on stage he was like do you asking like all these people questioning him he's like oh i like beer do you like beer have you ever gotten blackout drunk <laughs> oh my and like God, amy klobuchar our state senator was like her response was the best she goes no i choose not to drink because my father was an alcoholic <laughs> like it's well, anyway, anyway it's like that type of shit doesn't fly these days even on like the tiniest scale it's like something he did whereas like somebody like gandhi living in today's society, like that type of shit wouldn't, right. wouldn't fly. I think we would probably romanticize like 100% of all like influences like Gandhi. You know, people that are a Absolutely. couple centuries back that they they get completely For romanticized. Sure. I mean, I mean, sure. the U.S. public opinion of Christopher Columbus and the fact that it's a ho national holiday like kind of says it all. Even the U.S. Like public opinion of Chris Brown. Oh, yes. Jeez. Sorry we just keep coming back to shitty people, Ronnie. It's fine. It's uh, <laughs> It's whatever. <laughs> no, just thinking, you know, about what's going on these days, what people are talking about. Damn. Yep. Hey, it's important. We got to yeah. stay aware. This is why 2019 is going to be awesome, guys. Yeah, you guys. So the moral fly. of this podcast is Gandhi sucked and Michael <laughs> Jackson didn't. Right. Bam. Bam. There, I just blew all of your perceptions, okay? Romanticize Michael Jackson. Yes. He deserves it. And you have power over major record labels. Yes. yes. Even if you beat somebody up, apparently. I think 2019 right. is going to be the year of em empowerment. For Let's whom? make everybody. it that. For, wh for white males? No, for everybody. Yeah, you excited for that, Pat? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, like, I have like, no comment here. I, like, I know, I know. Say. It's hilarious. I'm All dumb. lives matter. So this is the year of empowerment for white males. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> my God. We've had two yeah. of those, right? It's fantastic. And hey, Ronnie, so we're really excited about all your music that you're going to be releasing. We'll keep our um, ears to the ground for, for any sure. rumblings and releases. And I know you said you don't have anything planned outside of in your own head and how you want to do it. But do you have any big shows or, or something coming up that you want to plug? Um, I have some shows right now that are building up on the East Coast for um, March, I believe, starting in Baltimore, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. I'm doing this thing also where 
uh, we kind of touched on this earlier with the whole Avicii and Amy Winehouse thing. It's just like, I've, I've been on like four, three month long tours, you know, that are just like, when you get home from those and you're just so completely exhausted and like, you realize that, you know, you, your family has so many stories to tell you because you just missed out on everything. And it's just like, I'm very much into the whole, let's go to a certain area for like three to four days and then come home and then do it again the next week type thing right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as far as that upcoming shows hitting the East coast uh, in a couple months and then just kind of like working around in little chunks, um, going down to the Southeast and then, uh, Southwest as well. You know, I just got done in Arizona, did a couple shows down there. Mm-hmm. Nice. I so, love the Southwest. Me too. Yeah. yeah. It's just beautiful all the time. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Working on the next Colorado show as well. Going to be I'm in the Ogden or the Fillmore pretty soon. I know. I saw that post. Yeah. Let's hang out. So one thing I want to do is I've never done a vocal duet ever. Oh, we going to chain smokers oh, this shit. up right now? I, God, what if, I mean, what if? Just you know, think of the possibility. Just fine you know? before I met you, Ronnie. <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys could be the next. Yeah, I drank too much. This is kind of an issue. Yeah, you know that's probably true from the last time that I did meet you. But it's okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I think I was pretty good that night. What, what were we at? A uh, Sacred Vibrations in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's the one. Uh, what was that? And we uh, we were there with Rob. We were just talking about homemade spaceship. Mm-hmm. Just played here this weekend with Funk Static. Right you know, at Seventh Street, for sure. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, we should hang this weekend. But would love to. I was talking with Chris to try to line this up over the last couple of months, but weren't you out of the country for a little bit? What, did I hear Japan? I. That's a hard negative. Okay. I've never been to uh, Asia ever, but Were I would you love overseas to. somewhere. I was in the Dominican Republic recently. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Um, yep, that was just for <laughs> that was for a friend's wedding. Just oh, nice okay. to get out there and just kind of like relax with my babes on the beach. Sweet. But yeah, I've done a couple choir tours through like France and Belgium, Holland, Germany, and all through Italy. I've that's done a couple amazing. of those. Damn, but that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it was fun. I got to sing in Notre Dame of Paris. I got to enter through the basement, <laughs> which is Canada like comes. very much like the Pope's private entrance, you know? I got to sing in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican, and I got to sing in front of the Pope in his own personal church, which was just crazy. Were you with like a chorus or something? I was, yeah. This was with my college, my university concert crowd. (laughs) My friend just did that with like an opera type thing, and she said it was like amazing. The Vatican is amazing. Incredible. Yeah. You know, weirdly, Absolutely. one of the guys that owns the company, the coffee company that sponsors our podcast, uh, SK Coffee, mm-hmm. he's a, like, a nationally renowned choral conductor and oh, cool. composer. And he just moved here from Boston, actually. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to have him on the podcast soon to have like an unconventional, you know, not unconventional, but just like different from what we normally would have on here. Awesome. To have somebody to chat with about yeah. a completely different side of stuff. So this yeah. is a good preemptive little thing. Ah. Fun. Fun. That's yeah. cool. You guys are dipping your toes in, in different pools. Yeah. yeah. It's been part of the plan for a while. We'll just see how it goes. 
we will. Well, thank you so Let's much go. for taking some time to hang out with us, dude. We appreciate it. Yeah, Sorry yeah. we get so tangential sometimes, but <laughs> that's coffee kicking. It's all right. It <laughs> we can we can make this a monthly thing. Shoot I'm down whenever. Hey, yeah, that'd cool. be great, man. We're always looking for people to be like guest hosts too for our yeah, show. Yeah, let us know if you're in town ever because we like to have people in person for the shell sometimes on other people's interviews. So yeah, sweet. Fush. I'll let All you right. know when I come back to the men's. Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. will hit you up on Friday. Yes. Safe travels. Thank you, man. Let's get I some time it. in the studio for sure. Yeah, totally. We will. All right, dude. Well, hey, thanks so much again for making the time. We're, we're excited to see how 2019 plays out for you. And, uh, Thank you. I'm super excited. Yeah, everybody go listen and to likewise. Unlimited Gravity. Yeah. Hey. Right. Hey. And keep an eye out for that new Megan Ham's Unlimited G's collab. Oh, hey. Unlimited Hamilton. <laughs> Unlimited Hamilton. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Ronnie, thank you so much. That was awesome. Yes. Thrilled to have you to what – what's the right word I'm looking for here? To break in – basically christen, tw- christening. He christened 2019 yes, for us. Yes, thank, thank you for you. christening our, our yacht. Our yacht. And shout out to Mile High Sound Movement yeah. for letting us have your artists whenever yeah. we want. You guys are awesome. Big shout out to Chris Bachman. Thank you, dude. Yes. So 2019. Megan? Yeah. You doing anything fun? I don't um, think you, you have some shows I just coming got, up, right? Yeah. So this weekend I'm going to Denver just to hang out and write some music. Gonna go, you know, see Thorny, see Truefields, right. um, hang out with Katie Watson, Amory. Yeah. I get to meet uh, Gabrielle Watson, a hundred drums for the first time finally. Oh, um, okay, okay. And she'll be in town playing a show as well, and uh, hopefully see Maddie. She's on tour with the Floozies though, so that might be something that I'll just have to do uh, at our show. But we just announced a show, yeah, February twenty right. second right. at Cervantes. It's Maddie's debut in the ballroom the main room of Cervantes Masterpiece. And I'll be opening for her and Freddie Todd on February 22nd. So that's exciting. I'm really excited about it, but I'm just popping out really quick just to get a little change of scenery, Right. go write some music in Denver for like four days this weekend. And then next weekend I'm flying out to Calgary to play at Junction. And that'll be fun because a lot of people have been reaching out to me. Is that a festival or is that a venue? It's a venue. Okay. But a lot of people have been reaching out to me recently asking when I'd be playing in Edmonton or Calgary or whatever because of my performance at Fozzie Fest. Right. Which is weirdly enough in British Columbia, but it is south of Calgary technically. Yeah. But yeah. BC is so weirdly shaped that yeah, it just like, like a, goes right under there like a little foot. Yeah. It's like that little L piece in Tetris. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Going out to play in Canada. And then the weekend after that, I leave to go to Belize. We're going to go to Belize for, I think, like nine days. Really? Yeah, go scuba diving. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to go cave tubing and scuba diving and snorkeling. We were going to go see the Blue Hole, which is like one of the most famous dive spots in the world, but it costs like $400. And I don't have the right certification yet to be able to dive as deep as you need to. Okay. So we're we're going to pass on that, but we'll do some other diving. I'll get to take some cool GoPro footage with my new GoPro. And you can speak English there? Yes, it's an English-speaking country. Weirdly, it's right below Mexico and mm-hmm. right above Guatemala mm-hmm. and yeah, Costa Rica. Tucked away over on but his own But they're side. English-speaking. Yeah. And their second language is Croatian, I believe. Oh, really? Wait. I think I'm thinking the wrong thing. Well, oh, Creole. Their so second French. language, yeah, their second language there is Creole. Yeah, so it's like French, French English. Yeah, so yeah. it's That's kind of cool. interesting. So it's a but French settlement. Yeah. I always wondered what it was. I just know that English like is their native language. That's probably good for you because I don't think you've been keeping up on your Duolingo app. Have you know, you? I haven't really, but 
I think I feel much more confident now going to a Spanish speaking country than when I did prior to me getting Duolingo, yeah. which I got because I went to Costa Rica and I felt right. you totally felt handicapped. Totally stupid. Yeah. yeah. I just was like, oh my God, I can't. My biggest realization, I think I told you this, was that I was talking to this little girl. We we went to the dive shop and this little this cute little girl probably I'm she was Ocho. Yeah, Ocho. Ocho okay. años. Okay. She just started talking to me immediately in Spanish assuming that I spoke Spanish mm -hmm. and I was just bewildered mm -hmm. and it wasn't like, I understand basic Spanish, but she was just going like full blown conversation with me and pointing out all of these. Um, they had this whole chalkboard where people could draw things that they'd seen on their dive trips. And so there were like sea turtles and like sea urchins and like lots of weird things on there. And she's saying all, she's like pointing th like at things and saying the Spanish word for them. And I'm just like, Oh like, my oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And then she'd ask me questions and I just had no idea how to talk to her. And that just felt, I felt so stupid. And she even was able to communicate with me in like a small, like in English, a tiny bit. But I just felt so like stupid that I'm 20 years older than her right. and I still can't right. communicate with her. It mm -hmm. made me pissed off at myself. So when yeah. I got home, I downloaded Duolingo and I was pretty good you, about it. I felt like the exact same. Six months. I felt the exact same way after I came back from uh, Guatemala for the first time. Yeah. And it was, I think that was before Duolingo came out, but I had all this intention in the world to mm -hmm. buy Rosetta Stone and learn the language for next time I down there because you do have this. I was down there for a week, and after a couple of days, just some of the basic Spanish I had learned was coming back. Mm -hmm. So, like, the environment definitely does absorb you, but at the same time, as you get comfortable talking, then you hit a point where you're at a loss for words because you realize your knowledge is just limited. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so in the words of um, Harto from My Drunk Kitchen, you all should learn another language so Americans seem less ignorant. Yeah, there you go. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. anyway, we're going to go out to Belize. We're flying into Belize City, and then I think we're going to stay on the mainland just a bit so we can go ca cave tubing and zip lining and stuff. And then I think we're going to fly over to Ambergris Key where we're going to go scuba diving and stuff like that. Should be fun. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's only the, I mean, minus Canada, which I don't really count. I feel like it's like yeah. northern Minnesota. Yeah. I, I yeah. like call... I don't. I, I just don't consider it another like internationally traveling. No, I know what you mean. But yeah, this will be the third country I guess that I've ever been to. I've really not. Cool. I'm not not that well traveled. So cool. I am excited for 2019 because I'm going to Las Vegas. Nice. When? In, in March. What? I signed up for. There's a little hint for everybody. I I was caught at the right time. Let's say when Hilton Rewards called me up to sign up for it because I was booking a hotel for a friend's wedding and I said, yeah, I might be interested. And then they called me and like talked to me and they're like, do you want to sign up? And I'm like, I was kind of, I had a few drinks in me at this point. I'm like, yeah, okay. Did and you I get like to, a free room for like four yeah, nights? Long story short, I signed up for their rewards thing, which was free. And then at the end of it, the guy goes, oh, and we're just going to give you like $300 stay at, which is four nights at one of our like new locations. And it could be like, they're like Washington, D.C., Orlando or Las Vegas. You should have I'm picked like, DC. Hotels are so fucking expensive there. Well, I have nothing to see there. I know. I'm just saying. But I was just like, fuck yeah, Las Vegas right on the street. Well, I think I'm going to come with you because yeah. Britney Spears has a residency in Las Vegas in February and March. And cool. I will die if I don't get to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, deal. I'm going at the end of March. It's like March You're going to come see B Spears with me? Come on. You know what? Growing up, if you would ask me, hey, are you going to see Britney Spears in Las Vegas? I would have laughed. 
And I'm like, no, I probably will. Yes, we are going to see B Spears in Las <laughs> Why Vegas. Why not? Why not? All right, bitches. We'll see you in March in Las Vegas. Yeah. No, but for real, um, <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our interview. I'll see you where I see you, you know? Yeah. Canada. And we'll see you the next time when we have a new guest. We don't know who we're doing next. Yeah, we're just kind of shooting it's from a the mystery to us like it is to you. Cool. All, All right. right. Good luck, everybody out there. 2019, it's, um, it's going to be a weird one. Just have fun. I don't know. Oh, my God. That's a terrible It's really encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just leave that where it lie. Okay. Good night.